0: So I've just arrived at your place and we're off to a local cafe. So take me through how the government's going to pay half for our meal. (laughs) Um,
1: Let's say we'll go, well, we won't go to the Robin Hood because I've been trying to get in there. And to be honest, it's booked out at the moment. Okay, (laughs) can't actually get in. We'll go to the Queen Edith pub, which is our very local pub.
0: I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and for the detail today I'm off out with my former RNZ colleague Joanna McKenzie in Cambridge, England. Well, virtually anyway. We're talking about the UK government's billion dollar eat out to help out scheme. The hospitality industry here is crying out for something like this to keep cafes and restaurants going. I'm also looking at a few other interesting creative rescue schemes, including one tiny US town that's printing its own money. But first, off to the pub with Joanna. I have been there before,
1: so I know the drill. Don't worry, Sharon, you're in safe hands. (laughs) So we go in there, you go to the left to the bar and there's big screens and we order up at the bar and We'll have a pizza each, which is £10. We might have a pint of beer each as well. Unfortunately, that's not covered by this scheme. Um, when they ring up the bill, should come to £20, but it only comes to £10. The way it works is that the the lovely barmaid at the Queenie's pub, they then tot up all their claims of the people that have come in their covers, and then they, they, they make the claim to the government to get the money back.
0: You don't have to go online or book ahead or anything like that.
1: So we don't have to do anything. You have to book ahead because you're going to struggle to get a table otherwise because it's been so busy. Like all We went to a little village pub on Monday in a village out in the middle of Cambridgeshire. The lady said they, after the first couple of weeks, they actually had to put a time limit on when they were serving food because the chef was absolutely exhausted because they had so many people coming in. And that's a little village pub in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Um, So it's, it's a victim of its own success. The scheme, yes. In parts, you know, and she she was saying that they then get people coming in on the days when it's not on on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sort of complaining. Well, w- well, why can't I get my meal half price or get my ten pounds off? You know,
0: and people <laughs> are getting really grumpy about it. So yeah, so that's the thing that we should point out is that it's only Monday to Wednesday. Yes. Um,
1: and what I'm worried about is that so the last day of this scheme is Monday the 31st of August which is the August bank holiday which is I mean you've lived in Britain it's it's a huge deal it's the sort of the last weekend of the summer it's generally the last week before the kids go back to school it's going to be monumental on Monday the restaurants cafes and they're going to be heaving Uh, I don't I don't know whether they realized this when they brought in the plan, but this last day could be absolutely huge and end up costing the government and the taxpayer eventually a huge amount of money. I mean, they we're already up to if They set aside 500 million pounds for this scheme and it's going to easily exceed that.
0: Wow, £500 million, t- pounds, a billion dollars. So let's take it back a bit to the beginning, because it wasn't Boris Johnson's idea, I don't think. It was the Chancellor Rishi Sunak, and and I see that this scheme's been nicknamed Rishi's Dishes.
1: <laughs> Dishy
0: Rishi, dishes
1: the dosh. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> That's what my family say. I should be. I should work for the sun. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it was part of his summer statement uh, in the Commons, which I think was on July the eighth, which set out a raft of measures. It was just. It was just like a huge cash giveaway.
2: But, Mr. Speaker, we will go further. The final measure I'm announcing today has never been tried in the UK before. This moment is unique. We need to be creative. So, to get customers back into restaurants, cafes and pubs and protect the 1.8 million people who work in them, I can announce today that for the month of August, we will give everyone in the country an eat-out-to-help-out discount.
1: And um, I remember hearing it and thinking, that can't be right, because that's really? We're all going to get half price off our... You know, when we go out. And, and yes, it was.
2: Meals eaten at any participating business, Monday to Wednesday, will be 50% off, up to a maximum discount of £10 per head for everyone, including children. 1.8 million people work in this industry. They need our support. And with this measure... We can all eat out to help out.
1: And we went out to Honest Burger in the centre of Cambridge, and I think our dinner should have cost over 50 pounds, and came to over 30 pounds, and most of that was my double gin. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't—that's that's another thing to point out. The scheme doesn't include um, doesn't include alcoholic drinks.
0: Were all cafes and restaurants involved? 84,000
1: registered for the scheme so it's not just like your local little independent places like our little coffee shop it's um, all the big chains so all your fast food restaurants all your pizza huts but you know those big brands there they've all taken part as well and the thing is there's been calls in the last week or so to for the government to extend this scheme into September because it has been so successful Mm. Um, but the government's shying away from that they're not going to do it so a lot of those big um, chain restaurants have decided they're going they're taking upon themselves to do similar things throughout September.
0: That's amazing so people really have taken it up but the other thing I was wondering was how how are they managing the the rules around social distancing? Most places have been really efficient at getting
1: screens up, so we were in a pub yesterday, and they had like thick, so you know, you know, like a kind of traditional, you know, British pub with the bar and then, um, you know, quite a low ceiling, and they had put this plastic like a thicker it's probably a clever way of saying it but like a thicker cling film or glad wrap from the bar all the way up to the ceiling and uh, like our robin hood pub they've put at um, at the other local they've put (laughs) big perspex between all the tables so like you know big sheet of clear and you're you're
0: a little bubble yeah you are yep See um, treasury figures in those first three weeks that diners used it more than 64 million times, which is equivalent to nearly every person in the country dining out. So, is it a saviour? Is it keeping the cafes and restaurants open and keeping people in jobs? It's going to be really tricky because you've
1: got a, a you know it's gone with a you know a hiss and a roar throughout August, but you've still got stories like Pret-a-Manger, which is, it's a, uh, a sandwich shop, but it also has an eat-in area Through, in there throughout the city centres. They're announcing that they're having to make, you know, a raft of redundancies today because I think the pandemic had set them back 10 years and they just can't survive. So I think while it's it's kept things moving for August,
0: but I don't think it's going to be a cure-all by any stretch. So eat out to help out has just ended. Has it blown the UK government's billion-dollar budget? Probably. Was it a roaring success? Well, maybe. But Joanna says there have been a couple of odd contradictions.
1: When this was announced in July, there was a lot of talk about how people who are obese and overweight are more affected by COVID-19. Then Rishi Sunak announced this around about the same time that the government was sort of, we're going to have an obesity strategy, going to, you know, really got to slim down because, you know, Britain has a problem with quite a a large portion of the population is overweight or obese. Mm. Well, of course, then the announcement of this slightly backfired because you then had people saying, well, hang on, you're giving us money off going to McDonald's, you know, and other fast Mm. food restaurants, and you're encouraging us to go out and eat burgers. uh, But at the same time, you're telling us to lose weight. So there was quite a bit of contradiction when it was first announced and then when it came in at the beginning of August there was a number of lockdowns sort of local lockdowns in Manchester uh, and north, the northwest of the country and that's been now extended to um, Birmingham as well there was, Leicester was the first place that went into a local lockdown but they didn't actually tell the restaurants to close so while you couldn't have your friends round to your house anymore you could go and meet them in the pub <laughs>
0: Let's get across the ditch now because the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has announced some interesting schemes to keep the economy afloat.
3: It's a health crisis with very significant economic impacts. This plan is about keeping Australians in jobs. This plan is about keeping a business in business.
0: One scheme that grabbed me is the billion dollars that's going into the Defence Force to upgrade military bases and build a new ship for humanitarian missions in the Pacific. And they're hiring dozens of former Qantas and Virgin aircraft engineers to do this. Here's economist Stephen Kukulis, a.k.a. The Kook, from Market Economics in Canberra.
3: Look, the the government's unveiled a range of smaller ticket items. You've got to remember that you know, a billion here or a billion there. It's a lot of money, of course, but that's only, you know, around about 0.1% of Australian annual GDP. So, you know, each billion dollars in itself is probably not going to be the rescuing item for the economy, but you add them all up, you'd probably get a decent contribution to the economy. So, yes, money going to the Defence Forces, having them uh, engage in more humanitarian and uh, internationally in the Pacific region Uh, is is a positive thing for the economy. There's been a building scheme where the government's allocating money to people making uh, renovations on their properties. There's particular thresholds that you must meet, of course, or if you're buying a brand new property, so one that's got to be built, not buying an existing property, which of course doesn't add much to GDP. Mm. They're wanting you know, the, the tradespeople to be you know, putting up bricks and renovating kitchens and bathrooms and putting on decks and those sorts of things. So they've allocated just under a billion dollars for that scheme as well for the household sector to have.
0: So how does that work? Do you apply for funds? It's
3: a slightly complex one, again, like a lot of these schemes. If you've got a home renovation, uh, it's got to be more than $150,000. So uh, the, uh, one of the criticism, of course, is that not everybody has a renovation of $150,000, because that's a lot of money. The government will provide a $25,000 subsidy. It also applies to the fact if you are buying... A newly constructed dwelling or one that's about to be built, uh, they'll give you $25,000. So apparently, the early signs are that the take up rate's been very, very high. So people are. Taking it advantage of the fact that whatever their renovation or or building costs are, they're going to save twenty five thousand. Again, without being critical of the scheme, it's just another one of each of these ones that build up, build up, build up, to you get to so that you get a decent contribution to the economy.
0: And tell me about the super scheme because people have been able to access their superannuation.
3: Yes, the, one of the measures that the government here introduced. Um, and one reason they did it because it wasn't going to cost their budget any money, and of course we're heading for a very large budget deficit, was that they felt that if people who met relatively simple uh, criteria uh, were able to access their superannuation, that would improve an individual's cash position. Individuals could withdraw up to $10,000 from their superannuation scheme and use that... In, you know to pay their rent to pay their you know electricity and gas bill to put food on the table you know all those things that you know, you you need and particularly with unemployment sort of skyrocketing as the lockdown occurred now what we've seen to date is that close to two million individuals have accessed that scheme so they've withdrawn Uh, up to $10,000 in either or both of those quarters. So for some people, they've taken out up to $20,000.
0: In New Zealand, the number of financial hardship KiwiSaver withdrawals is really starting to tick up, with $15 million due to financial hardship in July. That's 55% up on the same period last year. And the ANZ is warning that worse will come when the wage subsidies end. In Australia, it's on a much bigger scale.
3: And that's clearly helped the economy. Uh, but there's been, there's been some analysis on where people spent that money. Of course, some of it's gone to pay bills or to reduce your credit card debt and these sorts of things. But there's also been a pretty big increase in spending on online gambling, on alcohol which is probably not the direct intent of what the scheme was meant for again but again it was getting money into the economy to support the economy
0: sure and and could anyone access it or did you have to prove any kind of hardship before you could get that money out
3: Well, a couple of things. First of all, you had to have the money in your super account and certainly young people who might have been part-time workers and while they were studying or similar didn't have much money in there at all. So that was a group of people that couldn't get their money out. But you did have to prove that your take-home pay, if you're a worker, had fallen by 30%. So people who were casual or part-time workers, if your hours dropped sufficiently, you you could get it. Obviously, if you're unemployed... Uh, you could access that super scheme or even if you're receiving the job keeper payment but you were working zero hours so clearly the hours worked at the client you're able to access this scheme.
0: Is anybody critical of the fact that people have been able to dip into it in this way because I guess it's it means that down the track they don't have this money.
3: Oh, yes, there's been a lot of criticism of it. And I actually don't like that policy because if money's needed in the economy, the government should provide that. And the superannuation scheme is not about stimulating the economy. It's about retirement incomes. It's about building a savings pool so that when you reach retirement age, hopefully you've got a decent uh, retirement nest egg that you draw down in your retirement years. And so for those people who have pulled out $20,000, uh if they were for example aged 25 so they still had roughly forty years till they hit retirement age twenty thousand dollars out of your retirement savings using you know fairly moderate compound interest of say five five and a half percent means that they're going to retire with about hundred and fifty thousand dollars less because they've pulled the money out of this scheme so so early mm. and that's actually. Create, well, potentially creating a problem for the budget, you know, in many decades to come, but it's helping the economy now. So the criticism is that the intent of the superannuation scheme, meaning that as many people as possible, when they retire, don't call on the on the government pension. Uh, and so, therefore, the budget in 5, 10, 20, 30 years' time will be a lot more secure than it is uh, had we had everybody with an ageing population relying on the age pension, Yeah. Uh, it's actually sort of bringing forward that money and leaving more people unlikely to have sufficient savings when they do retire. And that's the big criticism of the scheme.
0: Yeah, like we were saying earlier, it's, it's a bit of an experiment, isn't it, for all the governments, really? Try something and see if it works.
3: Yes, and given the speed at which this thing, we've got to remember that here we were probably in the middle of January, late January, in the height of summer. We had bushfires here in, in large parts of Australia. And you know, we were looking forward to them being put out and the economy growing in 2020. Yeah, you know, we were watching what was happening in China. Oh, there's a bit of a disease issue over there. And then, bang, all of a sudden it started spreading. The case numbers rose rapidly. And then the acknowledgement that it was a pandemic saw the uh, policy response happen so quickly and yeah, you know, we we all knew that the effects would be bad, people being locked at home, working from home, businesses shutting down, you know, a lot of the hospitalities. So, in a sense, Treasury and Department of Finance are working day and night to sort of work out what best to do and they wanted to get money into the economy, and that was exactly the right thing to do. Um, I won't be critical of them for one moment on on that. However, in the speed of getting the policy proposals out there, there were a few little quirks and loopholes that very unscrupulous people exploited. So, yes, and some of those have been closed once they've been acknowledged, and that's fine. But when there's a crisis, and let's. For example, yeah, the bushfire crisis. Was anyone critical that we wasted water trying to put out the fires? No, you 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 put out the fires and worry about it later. The analogy now is we've got a we've got a severe economic downturn, a really nasty recession unfolding. Do you worry about whether you spend one dollar too much? Well, best not to. But in the current circumstance, you'd prefer to be spending one dollar too much. Uh, in the economy and help the economy rather than being a little bit too uh, light on in your um, economic stimulus package.
0: In Canada, among the usual wage and jobs programmes, the government's put $20 million into something called the Futurepreneur Programme, that's for young entrepreneurs, $300 million for Indigenous businesses and more than 50 million to the surplus food rescue programme.
4: With restaurants and hotels closed for weeks, many producers were left with extra food they couldn't sell. Farmers work hard to raise their livestock and grow their crops. They shouldn't be in a position where they have to see that wasted. And that's why today we are opening applications for the surplus food rescue programme.
0: The idea is to redistribute unwanted or unsold food to local organisations which then give it to vulnerable people. But the little US town of Tanaino, population 2000, isn't waiting around for emergency federal or state funds. It's cranked up the old money printing machine in its museum and residents who can show economic hardship caused by the pandemic can get up to $300 a month to spend at approved providers in the town. Here's the mayor, Wayne Fournier talking on Bloomberg's Odd Lots podcast.
4: We're a smaller city just under 2,000 people. We we lie just about smack dab in between Portland and Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, uh, and we're relatively isolated. So when the lockdown happens, all the, the restaurants, the stores, the retail, they just roll up their, you know, they roll up the carpets and they they lock the doors. For about three months, there was no traffic and no people walking around. There was little to no economic activity outside of our supermarket where you couldn't buy toilet paper or anything like that. And so we decided to dust off an old idea that, that popped up in Tenino in 1931, where we were the first city, I believe, in the US to develop our own wooden dollar, our own currency. And so we fired up the same printing press that wow. was built in the eighteen wow. seventies. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, we we've we've celebrated our history and, and the fact that we were you know on the cutting edge in the in the 30s during the great depression and we've we've kept this printing press in our museum since then and so when it came time to fire it up again and use it print money it it worked.
0: Of course, it's not actually legal to print money, but the wooden dollars are just tokens that are creating an economic stimulus. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Joanna McKenzie and Stephen Kukulis. Kakite ano.